Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, Kitchen Chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I am just so grateful and thankful that you're joining me here in the kitchen, especially during this busy time of Thanksgiving and holiday preparation. So you are tuning in on the perfect day as our guest today is Jan Miller, who is the executive food editor of Special Interest Media at Better Homes and Garden, and we We are going to be chatting about the new cookbook and the various projects that are going online and how through this you can bring new traditions to your holiday table and create a delicious taste memory for your family and friends. So Jan, thank you so much for being here on Kitchen Chat. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, this is so fun. Listeners, as you know, this is part of my culinary journey. Uh, My biggest regret in life is not going into the kitchen and learning how to cook from my dad, who was just an incredible home gourmet chef. And this is just part of discovering his joy of cooking. And Kitchen Chat is a way to honor his legacy, as well as for me to just enjoy and, and expand my my palate and my food experiences and create taste memories. So Jan, I'm so glad that you are part of my journey. Thank you. Oh, I just think that's such a lovely way to honor your father. So I'm excited that I get to be part of your journey. Oh, thank you. And and what was so, so much fun and, and reading this beautiful new cookbook we're going to talk about, <laughs> the 16th edition of the Better Hopes and Garden cookbook, was so many of the recipes. I remember my, my dad and my mom, who didn't really cook a lot, but that hamburger pie, I remember, was a staple <laughs> for many <laughs> It's so funny because this book is that. It, it is every time we go to take on, you know, a new edition, you have to leave the iconic and the classics in there. We know from our reader that you better have, if I'm looking for a meatloaf recipe, it better be the best darn meatloaf <laughs> recipe in this book. And so, yes, hamburger pie has stood the test of time and continues to show up in that in the meat chapter. Um, but we try to tuck in some new flavors, too, along yes. the way. But you'd be amazed at sometimes the letters I get if I take something out. Oh, no. And somebody is really, you know, upset with me. So it's, it's a dance we do every time. Oh, <laughs> I love that. And, and and before we talk about the new, let's chat a little bit about the old and and oh, the sure. rich history there at BHG. And I did not realize it was founded in 1922 by Edwin Meredith, who was the yeah. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture under Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. That yeah. It, it, it is amazing. I mean, and he we are still in Des Moines, Iowa to this day because of the Meredith family. Mel Meredith is still very involved in our, you know, the company. So I I feel so blessed about that. But this book came about as a 
a premium idea. So back in the day when the depression was going on and they were really looking for probably some extra dollars to mm-hmm. come in the door, they thought, well, let's put together all these great recipes because they had Rita recipes then as well um, from Successful Farming. And of course, the Better Gardens and Home magazine had started. It wasn't always Better Homes and Gardens, but they thought, let's put this together this cookbook as a premium and say, you can have a two-year subscription to the magazine for $1. Think what they charge. Wow. In the deepest days of the Depression, they sold over 40,000 cookbooks. And so a huge success from the yes. start. Yes. Um, and one thing I've, I've noticed too and read about, and if you can expand upon this background, is it really became a place where you define what a pinch is <laughs> instead of what oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you gave well, real specific criteria in terms yes. of directing the home cook. <laughs> yes, they they did. They took that on immediately as, you know, this is a place and established the testing and tasting kitchen. That's what we called it back ah. then. And, you know, the illustrations of those kitchens, because, of course, we didn't have photos initially, but the illustrations are just fun and beautiful. But they took that job very seriously. And I believe, you know, that's such a huge legacy for our brand is to make sure that whatever happened in that kitchen could happen in your kitchen. And, you know, we still have that mindset when we test. It's better. We don't use one brand, you know, of appliance. We don't use high-end those little galley kitchens that are in our test kitchen are set up just like a home kitchen. And we have a variety. We have electric stoves. We have hmm. gas stoves. We have flat top. You know, we, again, try to make sure that everything that's happening there happens in, in your kitchen as well from day one. Yes, <laughs> and that goal. gives confidence to, to us going into the kitchen to cook. Now, do you think that the test kitchen there at Better Homes and Gardens was one of the first ones? Was that a, a new concept that was developed? I, I do believe that it, it certainly was because, you know, that was, you know, we were back in the day when it was so important to the homemaker really was coming into her own. It was such an important thing to be a good homemaker and you know, to read the copy back then in some of the older cookbooks about how important it was to bake a cake that you could be proud of and show off to your, yes. you know, company or, you know, family. It just didn't matter who you were cooking for, but that your success was yeah. so important. Yes, yes, exactly. And and so Better Homes and Gardens made that a sure thing <laughs> kind of for yes. you the confidence in the kitchen, but also the practical aspect. And and I know we're going to get to some recipes, but first, just the actual presentation of the book hasn't changed a whole lot through time. It's one of the few cookbooks that actually is like a working notebook that can lay flat on your counter. That was one of the, the most interesting features, but that was the first cookbook that was released in that three ring binder and we still use we actually use a five ring binder to this day but it was initially published as a three ring binder so that you could cut out recipes and insert as you went and yes. and they did like by 1937 I think the all the recipes in Bedrooms and Gardens magazine were formatted specifically so that you could clip them out of the magazine and punch the holes and put them in your your binder. Wow. And honestly those recipes I think 
even into the early 2000s, there were clip marks on the pages still to that day of clip with the idea of to clip and and put in your three ring binder. So we don't change that. That I and I, people love, love it lays flat. Yes, and that you have those tabs and you can just uh, pull by tab yes. whatever <laughs> thing you're looking for. And then another just historical perspective that was so amazing to hear about. Could you share with the listeners about the fire? and how you reached out to previous cookbook owners to put things back together. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? It's funny. We have had, I mean, beyond that, flooding, it's just, you name it. And we, our library to this day is very robust with books in various states of repair or disrepair. And we've kept them all. You know, I have them, they're all in uh, our test kitchen library. And I do have some over in, in my offices, but people sent their copies. And so they were marked as, you know, what the edition was. Because back in the day, they didn't, they weren't as good about titling the editions or, or numbering the editions. So now we're very careful. When we put out a new one, we, you know, give it, it's the next chronological number. Well, before they, they would sometimes just re, you know, reprint and just briefly update or refresh. And they didn't always give it a new edition name, number. The number of books that came in, the varying covers, it, it just really is heartwarming. And I, I think that's the other thing I love about the book, not to ramble on, but yes. that there's always a story with this book from a family. Hmm. And there's always, whether I have my grandmother's or my mother gave me mine when I was married or there's right. notes in the margin. Maybe it's not the edition I use as much anymore, but I keep it because it's a nice little journal and memories of my grandmother. Whenever I cook from it, I feel like my mother's with me. And yes. I, I cannot tell you how many women have sent us those kinds of stories. And that is what I love about the book. It feels like more than a cookbook to me. Yes. And let's talk about red plaid, as it's affectionately called. (laughs) First of all, and real quick, once another historical snippet here. How did it become red plaid? Uh, Because it reminds me of kind of a picnic table, you know, that (laughs) those old plastic picnic (laughs) things. That is a great question. It did start out as just this gray and uh, silver, black, and green cover. Mm -hmm. Not very pretty, very kind of academic looking actually. And then there's a couple of different stories and I, you know, we are not certain which one is true, but they're both very similar. One story is that Jack Barless was at a sales call at Neiman Marcus, yes, I believe. Yes, and yes, yes. He was meeting with the retailer and he saw a bolt of red and white plaid fabric and sort of, that was from Britain and mm-hmm. wrapped it around the book and, and from then on brought it back to Des Moines and, and they went with that. Other stories that he and Myrna Johnston, who really has been, was the food editor for a very long time at Better Homes and Gardens and has quite the, the history here, that they were at lunch at um, Yonkers, which is a very a local department store in Des Moines, and that they, similar story, that they yes. wrapped the book in the plaid and brought it back. But regardless, <laughs> at, you know, after that point, it just continued on and we've changed the orientation of it. It's sometimes been perpendicular, sometimes on the diagonal. Yes. Um, and we've only changed the color one time because it is there's a certain PMS color that is the red plaid red. Mm-hmm. And 
We turned it pink, though, for Breast Cancer Awareness with, and partnered with Susan G. Coleman Foundation for two editions that were, that was back, I think, the first one in 05 that we did that, which was also lovely, too. I love that. And thank you. As a breast cancer survivor, I appreciate that. So thank you oh, awesome. for all well, that for BHG you. is doing. Well, so the plaid continues. And I love how yeah. uh, kind of the motto is it, it changes as America changes too. So what would you say in this new cookbook for the listeners, what has been kind of the new change that is reflective more of today? You know, you did hit it on the the nail on the head. It's a gift book. It's one of those books that you get at life stage change. So whether you're first married or moving into a new apartment or your new house or you're on your own for the first time, oftentimes it's a gift. And here, now you're able to cook in your kitchen. So we have to make sure that, you know, how it looks inside is relevant and how the recipes we choose are you know, relevant for how we're cooking today. So we're very cognizant of that. But we've done some new things with this edition that I'm I'm really happy about. We and in a timely, very timely manner, we have added a new holiday chapter, which I love because sometimes your new bride gets to be the hostess for the first time, you know, at the holiday. <laughs> and she thinks, Help, what am I gonna do? Um, I need some help. So we collected everything in one spot, um, the turkey and how to make gravy. You should never be afraid of gravy. Homemade <laughs> gravy is wonderful. You know, put all of those holiday things in one place. So your side dishes, there's a lovely autumn potato gratin that I think if you're even just looking for a lovely side dish right yes. now, that's butternut squash and um, yellow potatoes and leeks and a little bit of sage, it's just very yummy. Delicious. And then a new a new pumpkin pie recipe. So if you're wanting for somebody that wants to stretch a little bit beyond standard pumpkin pie, there's a dolce de leche hazelnut pumpkin pie and it's got a yummy dolce de leche, you know, the caramely flavor layer in there. Very fun. I love this. And this is going to be a great resource and a perfect segue into what, you know, this uh, month's theme is on Kitchen Chat, and that's bringing new traditions to the holiday table. So there are a lot of different beautiful pictures to choose from and how to make perfect turkey gravy. What is the secret for making perfect turkey gravy? (laughs) You, again, put away the fear first. So you have to not be afraid. <laughs> it's all in how you get your roux put together. You know, you stir in. As long as you have an an equal amount of your fat or your drippings from your turkey, and we tell you if you don't have enough drippings, you know to, how to make up for that. And mm-hmm. then you stir in enough flour, and you get that all combined so that you are you coat those those flour particles with the fat to help make sure that you, the flour itself is coated so it doesn't form a, a lump. So then when yes. you incorporate the broth and you're stirring, 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 you get this nice, lovely, smooth, bubbly gravy. And, you know, if all else fails, there's always that, you know, fine mesh sieve that you can strain it through. But we're, we're hoping that with our little tips, we're going to get get you through that. And I, I mean, I hands down, you cannot beat homemade gravy. Gravy okay. does not come out of a jar. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and then I love the um, twist on old-fashioned stuffing and how you give ideas on making it your own, make it mine, where, yeah, so you can... Yeah, add different things and you have a little, you know, with the, the section within that tab that shows how to make it's it so, mine. 
We have included that Make It Mine feature in every chapter. So those recipes are maybe what we would consider a formula recipe where you can swap things out very easily in some categories. So for instance, with that Make It Mine stuffing, you can switch out your vegetables if you want to add a little butternut squash or fennel or sweet peppers or sweet potato. We give you, you know, the amounts to do that. You can pick the herb that you like. If your family doesn't like sage, well, then let's do something different and, um, if you only have a whole wheat bread on hand, you can choose that. And so it's a really nice way to, like you said, personalize it for how, what you like or or to try to experiment sort of within this parameter that, that is not scary because yes. you can make changes. And hopefully when we were testing, we tried to put together the worst combinations ever. If somebody would pick <laughs> this combination, they they might be a little crazy. But you know, and if something was horrible, 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 then we we put we took that out. It was just like <laughs> we're going to try to just keep this safe for everybody to play in. But it's a nice way to pick the flavors you like, or play with your food, or use what you have on hand, which I like that too. Yes, and you give a step by step for the actual turkey and how to tie it, how to tuck it, <laughs> how to check it. I love this. I think this is such user friendly. And then also for leftover love, I love that <laughs> section too. <laughs> well, what is your favorite uh, tip from the leftover love <laughs> section? Oh my gosh, I think I am always hoping that there's enough stuffing left over. And I sometimes I'm guilty about putting that in a sandwich. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. Bread, you know, it's like bread on bread. But I also grew up, this is maybe one of those things that just because it gives me good memories of um, mashed potato patties. My mother always made oh. leftover mashed potato patties over leftover mashed potatoes. And I think you can make those fun too now, like, you know, a little cheese or a little, you know, onion or little olives or, you know, fresh tomato topper or something. You know, lots of fun things you could do with mashed potato patties these days. That and is doesn't feel like leftovers. Fun. Yes. And for the turkey, <laughs> there's always that leftover turkey. You um, provide some other fun ideas too with turkey to soup. That's a great thing. And layer it in a beef sandwich with blue cheese. I never would have thought about that combination. A little bit of arugula too, just with with turkey gives you that peppery, Ah, that peppery flavor you get from arugula. It's almost my go-to green these days. I'm in a arugula funk, but uh, I love it. Oh, that sounds great. So just a wonderful source. And of course, the holidays wouldn't be the holidays without the delicious desserts for the table. Any favorite ones? I see the dolce de leche hazelnut pumpkin pie featured, but what about some of the other wonderful uh, standbys for the holidays? What are some special recipes from the the cookbook? In this chapter, we did tuck in the red velvet, and that nudges a little bit more into the Christmas holiday, um, yes. but there's some fabulous pies. You know, it's funny that when we talk to our readers, that cakes and pies are still the number one choice of of uh, desserts at the holidays. So we did some really fun pies, and there's an interesting pie in the pie chapter, and it's called um, Snickerdoodle Pie, mm. and it is it almost ends up being a little cake-like in texture with this lovely cinnamon layer towards the bottom of the crust and the top of the crust. So you think it's going to look like a chess pie, but it's got a little bit more of a 
cake texture. It's very interesting, oh. but it's so fun. And as we make this book, it's fun because as we shoot new images, sometimes the team will have a new favorite. Oh, I love this. You know, <laughs> even if it was in the book before, but maybe it didn't get photographed the last edition or something. But, you know, there was a lot of those new favorites that popped out. And Snickerdoodle Pie was one of those, I have I to say. I love that. And that can be a new fun tradition to bring to the table. Or, you know, a lot of people, if you're not hosting it, you still have to bring something for yes. the family gathering. So Snickerdoodle Pie, why not? Lots of great, great recipes, along with the prep time and bake time and cool yes. time. I love that. <laughs> that really We give helps. you every little bit so that you know when you're starting what you're in for time-wise. So <laughs> important to our folks. They do. They say they love that. So we, we keep going. Oh, this is great. And as you're kind of planning for, you know, the holiday gift giving, definitely, I think, listeners, the Better Homes and Gardens new cookbook can be put on that list for new brides or just under the tree or just a hostess gift, whatever uh, might be. And so the red plaid always is in fashion. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jan, this has been so much fun having a a kitchen chat and learning about all the new additions, new additions and flavors and dishes within the, the cookbook, the 16th edition new cookbook. So congratulations on this new endeavor. Thank you so much. Oh, this is great. And listeners, I'll make sure that I put a link to the new cookbook, uh, Better Homes and Gardens New Cookbook, 16th edition, where you can pick one up as well as, and also to Better Homes and Gardens, the great website, the online website, and also where you could order the magazine as well. So once again, Jan, thank you for helping bring new traditions to our table. We really appreciate it here on Kitchen Chat. Well, thanks so much for letting me share. I'm so excited about this new edition. So it's fun to tell everybody what we know. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. And listeners, thank you for sharing with me your new tradition. So continue to send in questions. Follow me on Twitter at McSweeney, on Facebook Kitchen Chat, and Instagram Margaret McSweeney. And remember to check out my YouTube channel where together we discover exotic fruits and vegetables and overcome our fear and making dishes and sampling those. And during this very busy time of year, listeners, I hope you'll just take a moment and savor the day. Thanks for joining Margaret for Kitchen Chat today. Margaret would be so excited for you to drop by and visit with her at kitchenchat.info, where you'll enjoy podcasts, blogs, recipes, tips from chefs, and even great giveaways. She invites you to share your recipes and kitchen stories too. As Margaret always says, savor the day.